Welcome to the Rise to the Challenge podcast. Join today. She's the NPC figure bodybuilder, author, and life coach. It's Valerie Maxim. How are you doing today, Valerie? Hi, I'm doing great. Thank you. We're so excited to have you on the show to talk about your rise to the challenge. What we like to do with all our guests is go right to the beginning. Talk about where you're from and what you like doing growing up. Where am I from? Well, I was born in Michigan, um, but when I was six years old, we moved to Texas. So I feel like I've been in Texas forever. <laughs> um, that's all I really, I mean, know. And what did I like doing growing up? I was a gymnast. How did you get involved with gymnastics? Um, it, it was something, I don't know. I just had, I used to, when I was little, just do cartwheels around the house. And I remember just always asking to, to do gymnastics as a very young girl. And about, I want to say I started about 11 or 12 years old. My, my parents finally put me in it. Was there like a certain event when you got to try it out that was like your favorite, the fun event you did? Oh gosh. I like, you're saying the event. I like the bars and I love the tumbling, but, um, I, I loved the whole thing of it. I don't know. I don't know. I just, it was just something, you know, sometimes kids have to try different sports to find what they like. I tried that and I was in love. Were you one of those pe- kids that wanted to do like the flips and all that? You mentioned doing cartwheels, but did you mm-hmm. always want to try to do what the pros were doing? Yes. I, I, yes, I did start late. So I did know like the things they were doing were like, okay, probably not going to do that. And I was all, I was also taller. Gymnasts are very tiny and short and and I was never the tiny short one. So um, I did know going into it that I did start late in life and that wasn't going to be my outcome, but I was okay. I still did plenty of things. What was the biggest thing gymnastics taught you about yourself? Did you learn something new that you had in you? You know, I want to say um, gymnastics for me, looking back on it was, it was my outlet. It was my, looking back as my therapy, my dad passed away when I was 12, right at the same time when I had started and looking back on like, that was what I, I believe that's kind of what helped me through some of those times, because that was my happy place and definitely taught me discipline because we would do things like we would, I remember these challenges, our coach would, okay, we're doing a hundred pushups in a row. Anybody stops, we start over like military, right? You're like, are you kidding me? They weren't kidding. So, you know, I did learn, you know, discipline. You can't give up. You got to keep going. Um, we don't quit. Um, if you have to slow down and just hold your body weight up, you hold and you keep going. So yeah, it, it did teach me those things. With where you are today with health and fitness being such a huge part of your life, did you kind of have that passion for that at a young age when you were doing gymnastics or growing up? Did you fall in love with fitness and health and all that? I think growing up, um, I just kind of fell in love with it. And I also think for me, whatever, for me, I need health and fit. I need working out. And it's not even about the looks. It's about the mental for me. It's just about, it's like I said, it's kind of an outlet. It just where my stress goes. And so I need to be in the gym and working out and, and doing that, those things. Definitely with fitness, you see with a lot of people, it's a stress reliever where you kind of just get to escape from the office or work and you just do something for yourself. And I get that same value when I'm working out today is I don't have to think about anything. I'm doing something for myself and going for a goal that I have for myself. Exactly. Yes. Did you have anyone that was an inspiration or a role model for you that you looked up to? When I was doing gymnastics? Or just growing up? I I can remember in the gymnastics days, it was the Mary Lou Retton. (laughs) When you're asking that, I'm thinking, okay, she was definitely a role model when she went to the Olympics and her vault got her the the gold medal. And and, um, that was a very, I used to always look at her like, oh. She's so amazing. Like, you know, I want to be her. (laughs) Did you ever see yourself going like pro or becoming an athlete at that time? Or was it more just, I want to do this for fun. I'm enjoying it. And that was the main focus. Yeah. For me, it was, you know, I'm doing it for fun and I'm just want to be the best that I can be at it. Because like I said, I started younger. So a lot of my friends, I mean, I started older. A lot of my friends started younger. So the years they had under their belt and the tricks and things. It does all take time. I, I knew um, I couldn't, I, I don't know how I knew that, but I just knew uh, I couldn't be too hard on myself. 
So I did it for fun. Like it was, I did compete. We did have, you know, competitions and that, but um, I never got the first place or anything. Again, like I said, I was, um, I was probably the five foot three by the time I was 12 years old and I'm five foot five now, but those other girls I competed with were like four eleven. you know, they're just tiny little girls. Yeah. That's just a different look. It's a different gracefulness. It's a whole different, you know, thing. Where did you see your path going with college or in that route? You know, um, okay. So that goes into a different part of my story. Cause I, um, right out of high school, I got pregnant. And okay. so I got married. I did not get to go to, I did not, I did not go to college and um, I don't even know if college was at the time. It wasn't even, I didn't see a way to go. Um, my dad had, like I said, passed away when I was 12 and, um, and we didn't have the financial means to send me to college. So I never really talked about it or of course I wanted to go, you know, you'd like, Oh, the whole college experience, it's going to be fun. And, but it wasn't, and it wasn't anything that was like, okay, this is what you're doing. These are the plans. What college do you want to go to take your SATs? You're all, all these, where are we going? I never had that. That didn't happen. When you got pregnant at 18, was that an exciting moment or was it more, Oh no, what's, what am I going to do next? It was, um, Oh no. (laughs) How did this happen? I don't know. Um, and I just knew I'm like, okay, I, you know, I, it, things are just going to change. And I, and I, at, at that time, the way I looked at it, because I was raised by, you know, just everybody in my family just had a Christian faith and, and they're all married and nobody's divorced. And you just have the whole, like, this is what you do. So mm-hmm. I didn't know any different. I'm like, okay, I guess we're getting married, <laughs> you know? And that was not something that should have happened because we were not right for each other, but we got married. Did you have a support system? Like, was your family supportive with the decisions you made? No. They weren't. I did not have a support system. Like I um, it, like when my dad passed away at 12, it was just really, it was, it's, it was hard on all of us. It was hard on my mom because they had been together 16 and 18, you know, years old. And then my mom had never worked. And so when my dad passed away, she had to go to work and it was like, I don't know. I just, I was upset. I was angry that my dad passed away. Let's just say that because I was, I was with him the night it happened and I witnessed it. And then we never spoke about it the next day. It was like, it didn't happen and life just went on. And so I, I had a lot of resentment there and then I didn't talk to my mom really very much at all. So I didn't have that in so that was really pivotal years. You know, you're 13 years old, a girl's getting her self-confidence. So that's really in my story and my journey is where things really went south for me because I didn't know, but like I was in sixth grade and I'm walking through the, the halls in school and all of a sudden I feel like I'm dying. Like my heart's palpitating. I feel like I'm out of my body. I'm like trying to touch myself and my hair. Like, I don't know. Like I, and I didn't know until year, years later that that was a panic attack. I was having those, but I thought something was wrong with me and I never told anybody because I was scared. Like I'm weird. Like what's wrong with me? I'm not going to tell anybody this. So I got real quiet. And so my dad passes away, all that happens. And then we don't talk about it. Panic attacks happen. And then I I withdraw. I get, I just stay to myself because I don't want friends to think I'm a freak or I'm weird. Like I don't, so I just kind of stay to myself. And so then you get this stigma of, Oh, she's just shy you know, and then I never got asked to any dances all the way through, never through all the way through graduating, um, never was involved with anything in the school. I just, so that moment when he passed and just the way that we didn't like heal from it or have any, that's where I whenever I, in my story, that's really where things start because everything's changed who I was in that moment. Um, not for the better, you know, but it, I went down kind of a a rabbit trail. And so when that happens and you're not authentically you, then you don't attract the right people. You don't attract the right things, you know? So of course I meet this boy down the street from us and my mom's like, don't talk to him. That family is really bad. Okay. Well, he asked me out. So I went out with him and then, oh, I'm pregnant, you know? So it wasn't, um, I just wasn't in a good place in my life at that time. And then from there, it just it's like, okay, so I see the importance of healing from when things happen. Like they say, um, what do they say? They say time heals all things. And I always yep. disagree with that. I disagree with that for my personal reasons, because 
my dad passed away when I was 12 and I did not address his death until I was 50 years old. Wow. And I'm 51. So I went 38 years and I created patterns in my life. I attracted the wrong people. I attracted the wrong opportunities, friendships, relationships, because I didn't even know who I was. I mean, my start in life was, you know, like I, like I talked about it. And then I just go down this hill of the panic attacks, withdrawing, not hanging out with people, not knowing who I am, not talking, losing my voice, being quiet. And then all of a sudden, oh, a boy likes me right after I graduated high school. Oh, and you're, my mom's saying, don't talk to him. But I'm like, oh, a boy likes me. So I was just like, oh, okay, somebody likes me. Um, and, and, you know, when you don't know who you are and you don't have a support system and you don't have like, you know, any type of self-confidence put within you, it's, it's tough at those years. When you were with that boy that you met down the street, got pregnant, got married to him, was that kind of being rebellious in a way where kind of your mom telling you not to do it, but you wanted to do it because you thought that, oh, this is right. I'm trying to find the new me. I'm learning from what I'm going through and things like that. You know, I I think that's part of it. I think I was just so beat down at that point in my life that it was like, oh, okay, well, how how harmful can this be? This guy wants to, you know, be with me, but he had already been in and out of jail multiple times, and he he was he was not he was not good, and um, and I. I wish I would have listened, but like my, like, again, my mom, so it's different generations. Yeah. So my mom at that time, just how she was raised, you know, you were just, no was no. And it was no period. There's no explanation. It's just, the answer is no, no. So don't talk to him period. And I would ask why, because I said so. Okay. So, you know, I don't know, maybe if she would have sat down and told me, Hey, this is why, because she had known about the family, then maybe I would have listened. I don't know. It's hard to say. Even you said generations are so different, even like what the generations now are doing, you would never see that years ago or decades ago because it's just the evolution of time. How long did you end up being with him until you were like, I need to get out of this situation and break free? 10 years. I had three babies, so three children with him in three and a half years time. (laughs) And so- Um, and I, when I was in that marriage, I didn't, um, I didn't have friends. I didn't have a car. I didn't have a job. I stayed at home when they say barefoot and pregnant, that's about what it was. Um, you know, and, and he, he just still did his things. He went out, he partied, he, you know, did his lifestyle and I only left. I probably, I mean, I only left because, um, one night he took me out. He never would take me out, but one night took me out and I didn't know he was using drugs and he took me to his place of business to, to kill me. And, um, and so that was a very traumatic thing. He, we have a, um, a construction company. So he was getting the backhoe out because he was going to dig a, a, a hole to, to bury me in. He was telling me everything he was going to do to me graphically. We're in the middle of nowhere. And so I'm, all I can do in my head is prayer. I'm like, okay, like, I'm just like, okay, God, like I need a miracle. Like, you know, there's nobody out here. I can't scream. There's nowhere I can go. And so when he went to get on the little, the, the, I don't know what you call it, the backhoe thing that you get on, um, he realized he didn't have his keys. He's like, oh, they're in the car. Let's go back to the car to get them. And when he went back to the car, the car was locked. So he had to call somebody to break in the car to let us in. And so luckily that got us out of there. Wow. And back home. And that, that week I left, I left, I was, um, I was out. I was, I was gone. With having three kids, what has being a mother taught you about yourself? What, what's been an enjoyment of being a mother? I love everything about being a mother. I look back on that because people would ask me, I was never that mom that complained. I, I did everything for my kids. I took them to the park. I took them at that time. I could take three kids to the mall and I would let them ride on the merry-go-round and have, they have, they'd have lunch and, and, um, you know, we just, I would, I just always did all their stuff. I was at all their school things. Like, you know, I was, I loved everything about being a mom, like everything about it. Just even to this day, my, my kids are like, mom, like, you know, like when I got to love them, I'm like, okay, I know, I know y'all are adults. No, I'm not a hovering mom by any means. I let my kids be very individual and be who they are. I'm all about authentic to be you. So I, I'm not like that, but um, I, I love my kids big. With leaving that relationship, did you feel kind of weight 
lifted off your shoulders where you can now still be in the lives of your kids and be the mother that you always wanted to be for them? I did, but I was really scared because where am I going to go? Because I've never worked and I don't have a car. I don't have anything. And so I started talking to a guy long distance that I had met at a friend's house at a Bible study by my house. And we started talking long distance. He lived in another state and I literally within six months was married to him. So there was no healing time. There was no anything. It was like, boom, boom. And, um, and that was tough because then now I, now I made my mess a little bit bigger because I didn't heal. My kids didn't heal. And then he didn't like my kids. And then my kids didn't like him. So now I'm in another relationship. That's not good. How long did that relationship last? Well, I got pregnant like six months into that relationship. (laughs) And um, that one lasted about, I'm going to say it was 11 years, 10 or 11 years. So kind of similar to the, the amount of how long yeah. the last one and this mm-hmm. one, it's the same yeah. thing. When did you know that you needed to leave that relationship after 11 years? I was having a panic attack every day. Like, and I'm not saying like a little panic attack. I'm saying I couldn't even drive two miles to the grocery store without having to pull over and like literally shaking like I'm having a seizure wow because the emotions and just it it was a different um for me that was a different relationship like you know he worked and he came home and he took care of the family but it was just a different um was more emotional in 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 the it was just a lot it was a lot to take in like I couldn't do anything right you know it was just a lot of we, we just, we weren't, we just weren't, we weren't the right fit. And, and I got married really quick and I shouldn't have, but then that goes back, like I said, to starting out when I'm 12 or 13. And then I, that happens. And then I don't know who I am. I get quiet. I, I lose my voice. I become labeled as all these things I'm not. And then I just attracts the wrong people. And then I get married and then, then I'm more broken in that relationship. And then six months later, I I mean, like literally the day I left him, I was talking to the other guy. So within six months we were married and and then I wake up at 45 years old and I'm like, who am I? Like, I don't even, I I don't even know who I am. I, I have literally, my entire life has been survival mode. How do I get through the day? With the, your kids are much older at this second relationship near the end of it. Were your kids noticing things happening with you or could they kind of feel what was going on and kind of, oh, yeah. were they able Absolutely. to be vocal with you? Absolutely. Absolutely. So two of them, two of them were already out of the house and then I had two at home and absolutely. Yeah. And again, it was like, we just weren't, um, it takes two people to make a, make a relationship work. So when you're not, when you can't, when you can't both be working on it and it's it it becomes one-sided it's just really it's difficult and and that was um at the end of that one I knew I had to leave because my panic attacks were so bad I'm like I'm gonna end up dying like this nobody can have this kind of I was go to the doctors and my cortisol my adrenals were like shot like everything was just my whole body I look back at photos from that time and I show people and I look 20 years older than I look right now it's so crazy like what stress can do to you. And, and I didn't even realize that, like, I'm like, Oh my gosh, I am the stress in my life. I'm, I'm killing myself. And so that relationship was hard to leave too, because again, you know, I've never, I've been a stay at home mom my whole life. So you know how much it costs to live and it's expensive. And then you have a child and and, how does that work? And wait, I don't have to get a car. And, and I mean, so it wasn't easy making that decision to leave, but um, it was the right one. And I have spent, I've had one relationship in the last eight years because that's not divorce because I've been working on me for eight years. And that's when I wrote my book for learn from the things that I learned in my life. Like when I did take that time out at 45 and I'm like, okay, I have to figure something out because I am the common denominator in all of the things I'm attracting. So obviously I need to work on myself. Mm-hmm. figure out who I am so I can start attracting better things in my life. And so by doing that, I, I would have never, so looking back, I would tell you when I did that last divorce eight years ago, I was looking for somebody to marry like the next day. Like, okay, who am I going to marry? Hey, getting on the dating apps. Like, okay. I, I you know, I don't want to be alone. I've never been alone. I went from high school, married, never been alone. 
And uh, my counselor had called me in, who was our marriage counselor. And he said, you, you need to learn who you are. Like you, you, you haven't, you know, you, you're going to, you're going to try to be with the first person that's nice to you. And you don't even know who you are. So he gave me some words of wisdom when I came into his office and I really held on to that. Like, okay. But I was thinking, okay, in a year I'll be married. I'm not, I'm not going to go any longer than that. (laughs) I'm like, we're going to be out there. We're going to find somebody. And, you know, so now I'm eight years and I'm just now to the point that I'm ready. I, I told my kids, I said, this is my year to start dating. Like I feel it. I'm there. I'm healed. I'm healthy. I'm whole. I've come out the other side. Like there's nothing I lack. And I've learned so much over the last eight years because literally every single day I have been investing in myself and doing um, life coaching courses and and reading just a million different books on all the different topics and um, of, you know, of yourself and just having the aha moments of, you know, you're your longest relationship with yourself. Well, if you're your longest relationship, don't you think you should invest in yourself and know who you are and, 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 and take care of yourself and be happy and be, be authentic and true to who you are first. And so these were just the things that I had these aha moments over. And then a really big aha moment I had a few years ago was all those years I was looking for love from a man. That's all I wanted. My dad passed away. I wanted his love. I was with that other guy. I just wanted his love. And I, I was looking for somebody to, to make me happy. And then it just like hit me out of nowhere. Like when I found self-love, I'm like, oh, this is what people mean when they say you need to find self-love. Because before I just thought that was selfish. I'm like, okay, I don't, I thought it was kind of hokey. I'm like, oh, self-love, whatever. We hear all about that. It's overrated. You know, that's just too much, whatever. Um, but then when I really, really found self-love and what that meant, and it's not selfish, I'm not better than anybody else. It's just my voice matters too. So if I, if I don't want to just be running myself ragged for people, I can say no, I can, you know, have boundaries up. And, and I realized once I found that now I have boundaries. So I would never date the type of people I dated before because, I'm just not, I I can see that coming and I have boundaries. So now I know I'm worth more. I know my value. I know where before I was just like, I would take the crumbs like, okay, well, whatever I get is better than nothing. You talked about earlier with timing and healing and now with not being married in the relationship, you have had that time to heal and kind of really explore and learn a lot about yourself. And I always feel that's so important because you find What's something that you never saw in yourself back then? Or what can you go out and accomplish? What has been your favorite thing to do during these last eight years of healing for yourself? You know, that's a lot of questions there. And there's a lot to that. (laughs) I will tell you, you, like before, I couldn't have even eaten in a restaurant by myself or gone to a movie by myself. Like, I just would never do that. Like, people are going to look at me like I'm weird. Like, why are you by yourself? you know, and just learning that it's okay to be by yourself. It's okay. I don't have to have somebody with me all the time. And one of the biggest things that I learned, because, you know, I don't know about you're still so young, but I don't know if you know this, but I always knew I I always knew within my heart, which is the weirdest thing. I, I was like 14 years old, 16 years old, 20 years old. I always saw myself on stages speaking in front of people, but yet I never spoke. And so that was a really weird, like thing. And I always battled with that. Like, okay, why? Like, I'm shy. I'm told I'm shy. I don't talk to people. What do you mean? Like get on stages and talk to people and, and be okay with them hearing me talk. Cause I have ADD and I have, I'll say my words backwards sometimes and I'll be in a sentence and I'll completely forget what I'm saying. And what if that happens on stage? You can't do that. You can't, you're going to look stupid. You're going to, people are going to laugh at you. And I've overcome all that. And I've been on podcasts. I've been on things where I lost my train of thought. And I just, I, I, I don't hide it anymore because it's who I am. Like I'm working on it. I take my vitamins. I do my things. But if it means that I don't come on here just because that might happen, or I, I can come on here. And if it does, I'm authentically me. And maybe people can relate to that. Like, oh gosh, like I know what she's talking about. <laughs> and then, and then um, just be real to who I am. So so many things through this last eight years, I've been able to learn about myself and also accept like, okay, I'm not perfect. And I do say things backwards sometimes or lose my train of thought, but um, 
I've always been told I'm very good. I've always had a gift of encouraging. I've always had a gift of never judging, uplifting, letting people be free to be who they are and just really wanting them to be authentic to who they are. Like, you don't have to be somebody else in front of me, like be you. Like I, I, I have friends from all walks of life and, and I love the diversity of it because we're all different. And, you know, for me, when I find someone who's authentic, I'm always drawn to that, whoever they are. I'm like, wow, like, I, I, I don't know. I just, I'm always drawn to that. So for myself, my, what I have learned over these last eight years, and really more so this last year, is no matter who I'm around, even when I've gone on dates here and there, I am authentically me from the day you meet me, because I, I am going to show up as me. And that way, if you don't like it, then you can already <laughs> know, because I'm not going to I'm not going to cave. I mean, it doesn't mean that I'm not trying to grow and be a better person because I'm always growing and learning. I'm never like going to ever say I'm perfect and I've arrived. But at the end of the day, just who I truly am as a person, um, I'm just going to be free to be that. I love that you mentioned authenticity because that's what I live by. Because when I meet someone, I want to know the real them. Don't put on some fake persona that I can probably tell it's a lie right off the second because you're not going to act like that all the time. And Mm -hmm. I have learned that people are going to like you for who you are. And if they don't like you because you are being your real self, that's okay. You don't have to be. I think when you're growing up, people are like, you have to be friends with everyone. And then as you get older, you know, that's not going to happen. So being authentic is so real nowadays, especially with social media, where you can tell with the photos and stuff, people aren't being them real on those sites and stuff. Right, right. And it's when you are really true to yourself and you are authentic to yourself, I have found I have a whole different world of friends. Like it's, it's night and day, not even, it's not even the same. And so I do really believe we attract who we are because, you know, they always like birds of a feather flock together. You know, they have those silly sayings, right. But it it is true. Like you, you have a sense of like, you want to be with like-minded people. When you wrote your book, was it very impactful for you to write it and let the world kind of learn more? You know, it was, I will say, looking back, I'm writing another book right now, but I will say in writing my first book, um, I wrote it three different times <laughs> and I self-published it. I edited myself. I did everything myself on the books. In in school, I passed reading and writing with a D minus. So that's another thing to say, I, I should have never written a book because in school, I couldn't even barely pass reading or writing or or any of that like and so it's a big accomplishment for me that I actually did the book and and wrote it but the first time I wrote it through I I think I was writing it to heal because I was writing about I was writing it from maybe more like a victim mode like oh he did this to me and this happened and this you know you're just so like writing all this stuff out and I'm like okay I'm not gonna put my dirty laundry out there for everybody to hear it's not a place for it right now when I'm speaking place if there's certain stories I need to tell I'm fine but not a place to just vomit on people, everything I've been through. And then the next, then I said, okay, I changed that. And then I went into writing it again, kind of with the, everybody was telling me I need to write it with more of the fitness flavor, fitness background. Mm-hmm. And, you know, cause, cause I do my bodybuilding and that was my therapy. And so, but I didn't feel right about that because my bodybuilding is not, I don't find my identity in that. Like that is not like, that was, that's my therapy. Every single competition I went through, I had such major breakthroughs in something in my life that I needed to break through. So I'm like, yeah, that's not the first book doesn't need to be that. So then when I wrote it the last time I finally rewrote it, I just wrote it in this, in the place of like, okay, if you're, if you suffer with self-doubt, if you feel like you're just like surviving, you know, like you just, you're, you're not happy. You don't know who you are. You know, then I give you the steps that I took for myself to become who I am today. So I I went back to kind of write down and I had a vision when I was leaving my neighborhood one day, like, let's say that was like three years ago, two and a half years ago. And it, and, and it was basically, I had to record it. I've never had this happen before and I've never had it happen again. So it was just like something I was just speaking out. So I got my phone, I pulled over and I'm recording what I'm hearing and it basically said, you know, it, it correlated my life as an airplane like I'm, I have an airplane 
and all my baggage from my past is in my airplane, you know, all my disappointments, everything that I don't have closure on, everything that was done wrong to me, you know, the just all the stuff, my dad dying and me angry about that. And, and just all of that's so heavy, you know, and, and so it just weighs you down and, and you, 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 you don't show up places your best self when you're weighed down mm-hmm. because you don't, you're going to sit in the back of a meeting or an event. You're really not going to talk. You're just, you're heavy. You're, you're not, you're not your best. And so in my vision, it said your airplane had, could have taken off at any time that you chose for it to take off. You could soar at any time in life that you chose to, but you have chosen to hang on to all of the baggage of your past. And by doing so, your plane is so heavy, it's impossible to take off. Like it, it's not going to take off. You're not going to fly anywhere. You're not going to soar because it, it, it can't happen. And then it said, because you've one by one been getting rid of the baggage, forgiving others, forgiving myself. And I'll tell you, forgiving myself was really the hardest of things I let my kids go through. Um, when I did that, then all of a sudden I became so light. I felt so free. I didn't forgive other people for them. I forgave because I need to move forward in my life and I need to forgive that and move on. It doesn't mean we're best friends. It doesn't mean I call you up and say, hey, I forgive you. And all everything's good. No, I had to forgive that, forgive myself into process mm-hmm. and let that baggage go. And then, then it said, now your plane is so light that you're going to soar to places you never thought possible because you have gotten rid of all of it. So now you're just like ready to go and soar. And so talk about that in the first chapter, the importance of why we you know, need to let go and forgive because really you have to start there. And then, then from there I went into, um, okay, now what? I don't know what to do next. So then I, then I went into the self-love chapter, what I, what I learned about self-love, what self-love is, what self-love is not, and how self-love helped me in, um, in, in the next steps of life, because people are always like, well, I want self-confidence, you know, well, all of that starts from self-love. I mean, you're not going to just be this self-confident person when you don't even have self-love. Self-love is the basis of knowing who you are, like knowing who you are and being authentic to who you are. To me, that is self-love. That is like, okay, this is who I am. And I'm going to be the best version of myself every day. And I'm going to take care of myself. I'm getting too stressed out. I'm not going to go out tonight or I'm not going to do this or I'm going to get some extra sleep or I'm going to, you know, I'm going to take care of myself because I'm important. It matters. And then um, I'll just tell you the next two chapters real quick. But then the next chapter I went into was, you know, we have these voices in our head, you know, oh, well, you're too old to do this now, or you don't have a college education. You can't do that. Like, you know, you, you know, oh, you're not pretty enough for that. Or you're, there's just a million things, you know, you're not successful. You're not that organized. You, you, you're not even smart because you can't even like, you have ADD. Like, so you have all of these things that get stuck up here. And so when we try to go ahead and we try to go in life, a lot of times we'll self-sabotage ourselves because we have these limiting beliefs that we really don't think we're worth it. So we kind of make three steps forward and then we take four steps back because it's like, we, we kind of get scared. Like, oh, wait, Things are going good, but oh, something bad's going to happen. And sure enough, you know, because it's our, these limiting beliefs that we have to break and we break those through positive affirmations and and changing the subconscious, which takes time. So I talk about that. And then the next thing I talk about is um, I had walls above walls. Like, I mean, you were not going to get close to me. I don't care who you were. Like, I mean, I had walls around walls, above walls, like I was protected and I look back on that and I'm like, yes, I was protected to, to not let these things in, but how much good did I keep out? Mm-hmm. Oh, what are all the opportunities I left out? What are all the friendships I passed up on because they couldn't get close to me? You know, I go to events and I sit in the back. I go to meetings and I sit in the back. I go to networking things and I sit back and I leave and I wasn't my best self. I wasn't, I had walls up. I didn't want anybody to get close to me. I didn't want to be seen. I didn't want to be, I just, just, I didn't want to be like noticed. And, um, and the reason I had those walls up is because I was vulnerable at one point in time. And so you get vulnerable and then things don't go how you want them to. And you're like, Oh, I'm never doing that again. Okay. That wall goes up. That's never happening again. And you can't have success and you can't have happiness and true love without being vulnerable. It it takes vulnerability as hard as that is. And yes, you can get hurt, but you have to have vulnerability. So you have to let those walls down. You have to let the good in, but I feel like when you, when you, when you learn that self-love, I feel like when the walls come down, 
you're better equipped to have boundaries to not let, you know, just anything come in and get close to you. So you're, you know, you're a little more protected because you're, you're more wisdom. You're not just going to let people in and, and hurt you and, and stay there with that. So that's the first four chapters of the book. And then I did write a um, goal setting formula that I wrote called F plus C is M square. So basically focus plus consistency equals motivational and momentum. And so I talk about that formula on goal setting because when you want to get, when you're, when you get to a point in your life that you're like, oh, okay, I feel good. Now I want to set some goals. Well, how do I do that? So I, and then my kids talked in my book, I let them share how I affected their life before in the environment what they were, you know, had things they had to go through into where I'm at today. And every single one of my kids has healed just by watching me heal. I never said a word to them ever. And when I first started life coaching a couple of years ago, I asked my kids and they're older, if I could start with them. And they said, yes. So I really got a lot of insight with them, with the coaching with them. They opened up to me. They shared things with me that I would have never known. I was quiet. I didn't judge. I let them talk no matter if I agreed with it or not, because it was you have to let somebody else share their heart and what they're feeling, even if you don't agree, because they're not going to heal if you want to change it and say, no, that's not how it happened. You can have a family of five people and every single one of them can go through the same trauma. And I promise you, almost every single one of them will see it a different way and take different things from it. And then you sit down and talk and you're like, well, that didn't happen like that. And then you get these arguments going, right? And then nobody heals because everybody's fighting over what really happened. And and they're missing the point. It's like, when you want to heal, you have to get quiet and just let people share how it affected them, because then they've got to work through for them to heal. So I'm, I'm really happy. My kids are all in a good place. And then I, I gave a 30 at the, at the end, I gave a 30 day challenge. With your first book, what has been the reactions from people that have read it? Are they kind of finding similarities that their journey that they've been on compared to yours? You know, the people I've talked to and um, and I love when someone reads my book for them to share with me and reach out to me because I love hearing, um, you know, their stories. But I will say every person I've talked to has come and shared something completely different that I didn't even talk about. So in my book, I'm just hoping to bring awareness to the topics, mm-hmm. like the awareness to the topics of if you're holding on to things from the past that are weighing you down. In, in that resonates with you, like what could, you know, maybe that resonates because ev- after every chapter, I have a place to write notes. So maybe they'll write some notes, how that resonated with them. And then when I talk on self-love, how that resonated with them, like in, in um, and I can't even think off the top of my head right now, but like everyone just tell me completely different stories of not even anything that I was writing about per se. So I love that because, you know, my journey is not going to be the next person's journey, but if I can give people like little things to think about, little nuggets, little golden nuggets. Like, you know, think about what you're doing to yourself when you put walls up, because we all talk about, I have friends all the time that are talking, oh, I have walls up or not, but they don't, sometimes we don't even really understand what we're doing, that we're doing more harm, right? So if they read it, then maybe that'll resonate with them and it might do nothing for them today, but who knows, six months, a year from now, they might be like, oh yeah, I have these walls up. And so I'm just hoping it's like planting seeds and just giving them, topics to think about in their life because in helping them to realize I do talk a lot in my book about unleashing your inner superhero and I just had some shirts made that I launched on on, um, Etsy and in some coffee mugs and journals but I had a logo made that I designed and um, when I say and the when I was saying that I had this vision so I wrote it out and then I had somebody from the UK this guy I reached out to that's really good with doing logos to draw it for me because okay this is what I'm seeing I need you to think about this and, you know, I had a silhouette of a person and out of their heart, I just, ha- I, I saw this superhero, just like, like a rocket with fire, just launching out in, in, and then there's positive affirmations around it in circles. Like I am enough, I am valuable. Like, you know, like, you know, but when it's launching out, it's launching out of the comfort zone because when, when we're authentic and true to ourselves, we're, we have the confidence and the courage to get out of our comfort zone. Well, the only time that things that I have ever experienced that really make change in my life is out of the comfort zone. So, you know, helping people to really understand and to think about that. And that's why I like to be, I like to give a lot of visual things too. Like, you know, like just think you're the superhero and you're like, you know, you're launching and you're this fire and you're, you know, you're just being you, you're just being true to be you. And, and so my next book is actually on unleashing your inner superhero and all the 
different dynamics of what I mean by that. Kind of a fun question. Is there a superhero that you connect with that kind of have given you that power within you? Oh, always Wonder Woman. <laughs> As a kid, we're going to turn around and I'm Wonder Woman. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You talked about bodybuilding kind of has been a therapy for you. Mm-hmm. When did you know, want to be competitive with it and kind of really dive down deep, really get into the grit of it? Okay. So right when I divorced, I got, I got a life coach. I didn't know what that was. I met her at a friend's party. Hadn't, didn't even know her. So it's just an amazing thing how that even happened. But fast forward, um, during that time, she was asking what my hobbies were. I didn't even know what a hobby was. I'm like, explain to me what a hobby is. Cause clearly I don't have one. And so I began to try things. I, I, I ran the Houston marathon, 26 miles, never stopped. Then that was a one and done. I'm like, okay, I don't like that. Um, <laughs> I'm not a runner. And then um, I tried tennis and then a girlfriend of mine was talking about this bodybuilding competition she was going to do. And I had wanted to do one back when I said I was a gymnast. I had several of those girls on my wall because um, I just thought it was cool. They did fitness routines and, but um, that was just something that I just wasn't ever able to do as younger, you know, young person. And I, I kind of wrote it off because I'm like, okay, I'm 45 years old. I'm going to get on a stage in a bikini. No, like (laughs) not happening, not happening. Four kids later, stretch marks, everything else, not happening. And, um, but long story short, I did sign up for it and I drove all the way to Dallas by myself. I basically, you know, found an online coach because I didn't have a lot of money. So I had to put piece everything together, borrowed someone's suit, um, did a posing class here and there on my own and videoed it to try to practice drive to Dallas by myself. I don't have a team there. Anybody that don't, you know, know there. So I get there and I'm, I'm thinking in my head, okay, this is all going to be great, right? This is, this is going to be good. And my coach doesn't answer me that day. She's online. So I don't have any communication with her at all. She won't answer any of my texts, my phone calls, nothing. I'm like, okay. You know, so that's not a good way to start. And then um, it's time to go on stage. And I literally I didn't know what to expect, but I get on stage and I'm shaking so bad, like, like a leaf. I mean, I'm not even kidding. Like you can totally see it. I turn the wrong way. I turn back the wrong way. There's 500 people watching me. They're probably all laughing at me. I'd be laughing. I don't know what I was doing. Like I was so lost. And in my head, I was thinking, nobody knows who you are here. Just get off the stage and go to your hotel room and go home and never do this again. That's what went through my head. Like, just, just leave. Just don't, this, this is not for you. And, but I got off stage and I had to go, I had two more categories to do. So the ladies rushing you back around, I'm like, oh, okay. so the second time was a little bit better, but not much. And so I'm like, well, okay, I guess I can do the last one because I've already, I've already been up here twice. Everybody clearly knows I don't know what I'm doing. And so, <laughs> um, so I, I'm, I'm watching the girls on stage, kind of seeing what they're doing this time to be like, okay, let's try to, each time I learned something different of what I did wrong. So the third time I go up there, I'm not shaking anymore, which was interesting. I I wasn't shaking anymore. And I went out there I just did my routine and I got off and it was, it was good. And so went back to my room. I really didn't want to go to the awards that night because awards are at nighttime, but I'm like, oh, well, I I should just go back down there because I, I did this. So I went back down there and of course, first and second categories, I got last place. I mean, I already knew that because it was bad. (laughs) I'm not kidding. It was bad. In the third category, I got first place. Oh, wow. And it was 45 and up was the category age group for that one. And the other two girls were phenomenal. And, and so when I got first place, it taught me several things. Like we want to give up when things aren't perfect the first time or the second time, yeah. or we feel uncomfortable or, oh, this is not for me because I just made it literally full out of myself. Like everybody's laughing at me and they don't even know that I already have no self-confidence and I'm here trying to do this. So, you know, it doesn't help anything. Right. When you're like, you know, like this is not helping me. And, um, but that first place really, I feel like was one of those moments in life. That's like, it changes the the trajectory of your life. Right. It was one of those moments of like, Oh, I can do this. Oh, you know, I, I can control what I eat and I can control my body. And this is something I can control. And so then I'm like, okay, I'll I'll do another, I'll do another competition. And each competition, it's more about the 12 week prep of what I learn and push myself to the extremes that it rolls over into other areas of my life that I've had my breakthroughs. And 
I'm to a point now that um, I, I will compete one year, one time this year, um, probably not till October, but I think I'm going to try a different organization, a little different flavor because I don't need to do it anymore for my therapy. So it's kind, I'm kind of in a weird place. Like it's like, I love doing it, but at the same time, I know other things are coming because I don't, I don't know. I, I can't really explain it, but I feel like I know we're never completely healed and whole in there, but I feel like I'm at such a good place that I'm not needing I'm not needing that aspect of it. So we'll see. Do you have a favorite competition? Like the location that you were at was your favorite or kind of the atmosphere was your favorite? I would have to say my favorite one is um, I went to nationals because I qualified for nationals too. And that's in Pittsburgh. And it's just a really well run show. And so um, everybody there just seemed to be just super nice ran really well. So I really enjoyed Pittsburgh. I really enjoyed the town, just everything about it. So I would have to say I went there twice. I would say Pittsburgh. Do you have any, like you talked about not having that support group growing up. Do you feel you have that support group with the other women within bodybuilding or people in your life that are supporting you in your journey with bodybuilding? You know, it's interesting, not with any of the women there, because every time you go to a different show, you meet different people. So I'm not really connected. And I'm, again, I'm not on a team per se or anything. I've been, I've been my own coach, mm-hmm. you know, I'm a personal trainer. It's very, it's very costly. And so when you're a single mom trying to get things going, it's like either I do it myself or I don't do it. So I haven't like a lot of people have teams. So they plug in with the other girls and I haven't had that, but I do have one friend. Um, I met him four years ago now. And he doesn't even know why he's in my life as a friend. I mean, I know that sounds weird, <laughs> but because he's from corporate America and he's gone, he's gone all the way to the top. And he has been in like, I don't even know the amount of things, but he, he's like mentor people from all over the world. That's just what he's done. And so he, I don't know, he saw something in me in the gym and he has kind of taken me under his wing, given me some business coaching and, and, um, you know, believing in me and, I would say he's the first person and maybe still the only person that I've had that just continually, like, you know, I'll get texts that say, you're a champ. You're like, you know, like he'll, he'll just constantly be like, and so I try really hard to do that to other people. And and that's my calling. Like I, I live, I love to do that. So I go to book signings. I do different things. Like I love to pour into people and, you know, it's, I, I see the impact it has had on me just little words here and there, nothing even big, you know, I mean, my, be like four times a week I hear from him and it's just that those right little you know the right little meme he sends or the right little words he sends to me and it goes so far and so I realized that a lot of people just don't have someone that believes in them and so when you start talking life into people and you start getting in front of people and speaking places and telling them they can do this and they have a superhero within them and they are powerful and they are enough and they are worthy and, and they are valuable and love all these things like people just start crying on me, even grown men. Wow. And I'm like, <laughs> like I don't need to cry, you know, but I mean, they're happy. You know what I'm saying? Like they'll get tears. They're like, we don't hear that enough. You know, people, unfortunately we're, we've gotten away from being a culture of uplifting. We just want to tear down and say things. And, 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 and I'm not saying everywhere, but I, I think as a whole, it's like people just really don't get enough positive affirmation spoken into their life. Something we like to do with all of our guests is learn more about the individual as we've been on your journey so far. When you're not working out, you're not doing bodybuilding, you're not working. What's something that Valerie likes to do daily? Um, well, I have my morning little ritual. <laughs> I, um, I, I, I really enjoy every single morning. I have an hour, no matter what time I have to be up, I'm up an hour early and I listen to things on podcasts. Um, just anything. I just have to be listening to something, learning and, and, you know, motivating and uplifting. I feel like I have to keep my cup full. So it's super important for me every single day to, you know, to be doing that. And then another thing that I love doing, I have two granddaughters. And so whenever I can on weekends, um, one of them lives close to me and she's six and I love having her come stay the night and we just hang out and do girly things. And my other granddaughter, she lives about two hours away, but she's um, 10 months old now, 11 months old, something like that. Yeah. 10 months. And so, um, yeah, I love spending time with them and I love spending time with my, my kids and like, they all want to always come over and have game night and, you know, hang out, cook food. Sounds fun. It's, yeah. it, you can just tell you just enjoy family time. 
I do. But when I escape from my own time, I want to go to the beaches of Cancun and don't talk to me. <laughs> and I just want to be on that water. Like I know everybody loves Cabo and I get it, but I like, I like the beaches of, of Cancun and, and just, just like, that's just my happy, happy, happy place. I always tell people that in my life, I'm like, I would just be on a beach every day, just relaxing. I kind of envision myself being in one of those huts on the water. Just exactly. Let me, just let me relax and look out. That's my happy place is being on the water. Yep. My vision board is Fiji one day and, and staying in one of those huts on the water and, and just being out there for like two weeks and just that, that will happen one day. <laughs> yes. The final question I'll ask you for someone that's listening to this interview based on your journey and experience, what tips or advice would you give them to overcome obstacles, accomplish their goals and rise to the challenge? I would say, um, first of all, for any of those things to happen, you have to believe in yourself. And so I would just say, you know, have bigger faith in yourself and believe in yourself and know that you can overcome and know that you can, you know, reach that obstacle. And to do that, you know, it's, it's action. So don't be afraid to get out there and do the actions. And, and again, I'm going to say it all goes back to self-love because when you, when you care about somebody and they're very important in your life, you're going to make sure that they have the best of everything and that, and, and, you know, you're going to do everything that you can if they're going through a challenge and to help them, right? Because you're, you care about them. You love them. You're like, I'm here for you. But we have to turn, we also have to turn that around to ourselves. Like when we're going through things and, and to realize you have to keep showing up for yourself. You know, that's such a big thing because how many times do we, how many times have we almost like, if we would have pushed one more time, we would have been there, yeah. you know, but what we didn't, we just, we, we, we sometimes get in victim mode or, or it's too hard. I'm too tired. I can't anymore. And we throw in the towel. It's like, you have to show up for yourself and you have to keep pushing forward no matter how hard it is. And I've, and it's been my experience every time I do that, every time at some point, my breakthrough comes a lot of times it'll take months. It's not, it's not always fast, but you have to be persistent and consistent with it. Invest in yourself. I tell people that invest in yourself. Valerie, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show and talking about your rise to the challenge. You're inspiring so many people and we are excited to see what the future looks like for you. Well, thank you for having me on here. I've enjoyed it. Tune in next time to my next guest talk about their rise to the challenge. Remember to follow and subscribe to all major audio platforms. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. What path do you think you'll accomplish your goals? You, God.